Welcome, friend, to Godly Voice Notes, a podcast which explores how we can live holy lives as ordinary people called to live extraordinarily in Christ Jesus. May this be a sacred space of informal and rich conversation in which we fearlessly address gritty issues with sincerity, fun and practical application. I hope that together we grow, question and pray on this journey deeper into our God-given faith and that through it we are equipped to become more God-fearing, spirit-hungry and biblically grounded. for joining me for part two of the series on the Chronicles of Narnia, which are a set of books written by C.S. Lewis. If you haven't listened to part one yet, that is available to go back and listen to. And it's me reflecting solo on the series of books. And in this episode, part two, I will be in conversation with a good friend and we will be first of all, going through in a general way some of the aspects of the series which really excite us and help us to focus on biblical principles. And then we'll be looking more deeply into the character of Aslan, who represents Jesus in the books. And then tune in again next week for part three on the Chronicles of Narnia series, in which we'll be looking at the portrayal of good and evil in the books, and also the concept of journey as well as some interesting questions that we both wanted to discuss. So let's get stuck in part two of the Chronicles of Narnia series. So I'm really excited to have a good friend with me here today on the show. This is Grace, who's someone who I met at work um, in a bit of an unusual way. We had our work meal and... Um, sat opposite each other because I think we were probably both running a bit late at the very end of the table. Yes, I think definitely arrived late that time. I don't think I could find a parking space. And um, I think very quickly into our conversation, we both realised that each other were Christians, probably from some of the things we were saying. Yeah, you know when you get that strange added, well not a feeling, but like a, oh, this person communicates differently (laughs) and maybe she communicates a lot like me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then we ended up having a weekly breakfast together. Yeah, so um, I, so we met on like our first day of work. It was a career we had in the evening, but then it probably took a couple of weeks later before we actually kind of hung out one-on-one. Um, triggered by, I had a really bad experience at work and just needed to process with somebody, but I also had moved cities recently and was just struggling, feeling quite lonely. And I challenged myself to tell three people I was lonely and you were one of them. So, oh, there we go. <laughs> and that kind of triggered, we then met up on an almost like weekly basis I think yeah. to meet and to eat breakfast and pray together and yeah it was, it was really... such a great part of the rhythm of our work there like yeah. I actually really missed it when we both left that job yeah um great well as you know the podcast is anonymous so um we've chosen the name Grace for you today haven't we mm-hmm. is that something special for you um so hopefully this doesn't give too much away about me but I picked the name Grace as my middle name when I was baptized as a believer when I was about eight years old Mm. um and I really like the fact that Grace is at the center of my name and it's the center of my identity um that my 
myself is wrapped around grace. My my name legally is wrapped <laughs> around grace, but grace is the centre. Yeah. Um, not that I want to, to say I am grace or the epitome of grace, but that actually grace is at the core of um, our new identity. Absolutely. It's a, a gift that we've received, isn't it? Awesome. So we are talking today about the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Obviously, um, people who are listening may have varied experiences, whether they've read the whole set of seven books, whether they have read, as many people have, the most popular and well-known one, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, or no experience at all of the books, um, or perhaps have seen the films. There's so much mm. around those books that's been done, isn't there? So, um, both of us have read them all and absolutely love them. Um, I've heard somebody say that you are the expert in the north of England <laughs> on this topic. I don't think that's necessarily true. But why why Narnia? Why are we talking about this today? Um, I think expert is definitely a strong, <laughs> a strong title. I would say it definitely would be my mastermind subject of choice. If I had to pick a specialist subject, I think it would be the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, I just think they're wonderful. Like they're accessible to children and to adults and they're just beautifully written, um, have stood the test of time. Mm. And as a Christian, especially, I think there's even more to glean from them um, than just an average story for children, although not for children. Mm. One day you'll grow up and you'll be old enough to read fairy tales again. Yeah, that's what Lewis writes in, I think, the prologue to Lion, Mitch and Audrey. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and hopefully many of the readers will know that C.S. Lewis was a strong Christian at a certain point in his life he became mm. a Christian and he very much wrote the books to reveal something about the Bible mm. and about Jesus um, and I know have, knowing you very well I know that um, you've learnt a lot from Narnia mm. about your own faith journey and it's a series of books that I'm also really passionate about and have really enjoyed and You've, we kind of have discussed a bit before we've done the, this podcast, but you, you said something about there being like a danger around yeah. books like this. Do you want to just explain that a bit? Yeah, I think it's really important that um, the books are used for, for their purpose. C.S. Lewis didn't write it as a replacement for the Bible, didn't write it so that your daily devotion could be in... Narnia. In fact, actually, a couple of years ago, I was given a book that was called A Year with Aslan, and it was 365 extracts from the Chronicles of Narnia, and each drew out a different thought, but quite secular in the way that they were written. Like, it was a lovely book, but isn't a replacement for spending time with Jesus. Mm. I think they should be used as a way into... um, learning more about the character of God and seeking then to see what truth of that is found in the Bible. And I'm sure there are many people who, as... Um, before they were Christians, read the Chronicles of Narnia and thought, oh, there's something extra in here yeah. that I don't, um, that there's more more to know. Yeah. Um, and that's their way in, rather than it being a replacement, that it's actually an inspiration to then look further. Absolutely. One thing I've been reflecting on, because um, I've just gone through and reread all the books, because I really wanted to kind of have them all uh, in my mind before we spoke about this. In The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, the wardrobe is... It is the door into Narnia for those mm. children. But it's only one way in. There's mm. actually, in other books, they go in through a painting, they go in through being pulled out of their seats on the train. You know, um, in one story, they go into Narnia through magic rings and going mm-hmm. through the pool into yeah. uh, first the world of Charn and then into Narnia. And actually, that's how I see the Chronicles of Narnia, that they are a door Mm. into the Christian faith, into the Bible, into knowing Jesus more. But they are 
yeah, they're just one way in. And actually, you don't want to stay in the wardrobe for your whole life. You want to actually mm-hmm. go into Narnia. Yeah. In the same way, you don't want to stay in the Chronicles your whole life. You want to go into the Bible mm-hmm. and into a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. In fact, C.S. Lewis says it at the end of um, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the very, very end, I think it's like, you know, the, almost like the penultimate paragraph. Aslan is sending the children back into their own world and they, they're really sad about this. And uh, particularly Lucy and Edmund are really sad because they're told it's the last time they, won't, they will come to Narnia. Lucy says, uh, it's you, we shan't meet you there. And how can we live never meeting you again? But you shall meet me, dear one, said Aslan. Are you there too, sir, said Edmund. I am, said Aslan. But there I have another name. You must learn to know me by that name. That is the very reason you were brought into Narnia. And by knowing me here for a little, you may know me there better. And I think that's the the the, the joy of the Chronicles of Narnia is actually they're mm. not they're not a replacement for knowing Jesus, but they are a way to know him better. And I do believe that for me, they've drawn me closer to discovering the Jesus of the Bible by being inspired by the very glimpse of Aslan yeah. um, in the in the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, absolutely. That that's a really great passage to have pulled out. In Narnia, they have the opportunity to get to know the true Aslan mm. in in the world. They they're quite useful to make something more accessible, to bring a different context to something that then opens it up for our twenty first minds to think about. I think when we look back on um, particularly Jesus' death, we can think, oh, that was over time. We don't understand crucifixion. It doesn't happen here. We don't understand the tomb. We don't understand the context of these things in a Jewish culture. And taking them into an, into an abstract place and putting them in Narnia, particularly when the, the stone table is broken at the point of Aslan overcoming death and that magic, that dark magic being broken as a really good way to take it out and go oh okay maybe I can apply a small amount of that and my understanding to that back into the bible Mm. and actually it can really help to um, make us think about something a bit differently not saying that it's perfect you know an analogy is never as good as the real thing but sometimes it can help us access it just like just like a preacher speaking an analogy in, in a sermon actually sometimes it's really helpful to see it out of its context to then reapply it to its context and see even more power Absolutely. In our UK culture, at least, a lot of people have barriers to even exploring the Christian faith. Mm. Um, You know, they hear the word God, Jesus, Mm. and all their barriers go up. Whereas actually, throwing all of the usual language aside and going into a world of centaurs and unicorns, it's a really fun and interesting and unusual context to visit the core aspects of Christianity Mm. in a way that your heart and your mind are open to. Yeah. And I guess that's one of the things about it being a book for children. There's something about children that they are far more open Mm. to understanding something um, in kind of a playful and fun way. So Great. So tell me a bit about your journey with the Chronicles of Narnia. I know that there's been some times in your life where um, perhaps it's played quite a fun role or there's kind of maybe key phrases from the books that have... Um, been important to you yeah so um I like many people probably had the books read to me as a child I remember um bedtime stories but I also picked them back up when I was a late teen early 20s um used to listen to them when I first started commuting for work um just really enjoyed digging back into the fairy tales Mm. so much so that in my first 
house, I painted murals on the wall of my favourite quotes from the Chronicles of Narnia. So the first one to go up was um, about Aslan. Yeah. And it was a quote from The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe that's said by Mr Beaver, or Mrs Beaver, one of the two, to the children when they first learn about Aslan and they learn that he's a lion. Mm. And they go, oh, like he's a lion, are you sure he's safe? And the response they get is, of course he isn't safe. He's a lion, <laughs> but he's good and he's the king. And that's just, I think, really resonates as a, when we think about God. And um, we can put him in a box and we can say, oh, you know, our God is um, fluffy and kind and lovely. And he, and he is lovely and kind, but he's not fluffy and he's mm. not tame. He is all powerful and all knowing and he can do anything mm. um, within his power and knowledge. And actually, sometimes we don't get that. Sometimes we don't understand. But actually, we know that he is good. He is the epitome and the definition of good. Mm. And therefore, we can trust him. But it doesn't mean that he's going to behave how we think he's going to behave. And I think actually that... how we want him to behave. Completely. So often when we pray, we're like, why haven't you given me what I think is the right thing? But actually, he's God, not Mm. us. And Mm. yes, he listens to us. He interacts with us. But at the end of the day, he will ultimately bring his glory and our yeah. good and that might not be yeah. what we as children want you know if a child yeah. is constantly asking every day for ice cream you're mm-hmm. not going to give that to them because that's not it's not good for them yeah. it's not the right thing and time and time again the children see aslan doing things they don't understand and they come to see why it was a good thing the things that he did but it doesn't mean they necessarily understood it at the time mm. um so that was mural number one Mural number two was above my bed, and yeah. that one said, but courage, child, you are between the paws of the true Aslan. And that's from The Last Battle, isn't it? It is. Yes, one of my favourites. Yeah, you were just reminding me of the context of it, which it gives even more power. Yeah, so the context is essentially King Tyrion and um, the almost a remnant of the Narnian people who mm. are willing to fight on his side are starting to realise that there's something quite terrifying inside the stable that mm. um, the ape and the Kalorman people are wanting to throw people into. And Lu- uh, no, it's not Lucy, Jill Pohl um, has been really strong and courageous to that point, but she, she turns to the king and she says, what do you think they have in there? Could it be that dreadful beast that we saw? Because they saw this god Tash, this beak-nosed, you know, terrifying creature and you know it's that moment of her looking evil in the face and her being really afraid of evil Mm. that the king turns to her and says have courage you know you're between the paws of the true aslan and i just love that i love Mm. that when we are so overwhelmed with fear and when we see evil for what it truly is Mm. it's not that that's taken away but it's that we need to hear that voice that says actually you're in god's hands right now Mm. so you don't you don't need to fear yeah being between the paws of god uh, our lion i love the phrase and had a blog named after it when i <laughs> went away for about nine weeks i wrote book courage child we're between the paws of the true aslan and that was the the motto that i took mm. with me and wanted to remember um and then the third mural i had was um above my mirror which was where i kind of if i woke up in the morning it'd be the first thing i saw was a quote from the end of Prince Caspian. Every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Yes, and I love that bit. said between um, Lucy and Aslan. Lucy um, is remarking on how Aslan looked bigger. How can you be bigger? And he says, oh, it's because you are older. And she goes, what? It's got nothing to do yeah. with me. 
Um, and Aslan's response is, every year you grow, you will find me bigger. And that's my desire for, for knowing and growing in my love and knowledge of Jesus, is that every year I grow, he will grow bigger in my mind, yeah. get bigger in my understanding. Um, I think that that's, should be us all. We should all be yeah. desiring um, that because we... He is he's larger than we'll ever understand. Completely. You know, it says so wide and so deep and so high mm. is the love of God. Mm. And actually, therefore, our limited mind, if that can expand, if we mm. can get to know more and more of him, he will... Mm become larger and larger yeah. to us even though he's unchanging yeah. it's just us discovering more yeah. and going deeper i mean it's a bit like in the last battle that idea i love that um phrase that's used go higher in what mm. is it go further up go further in yeah and they're going into bigger and better mm. versions of narnia until they essentially come to Asan's country and yeah, i just find that really yeah beautiful. that but being a picture of heaven as well the the more and more to gain, more and more to know. Yeah. And I know that before I knew you, which I'm very sad I didn't know at this point, you mm. actually had a birthday party yes. themed around Narnia. My 21st birthday party was Narnia themed, <laughs> where we spent far too long in exam season um, decorating our student house to look like various places in Narnia. So we had we entered through the fur coats and a wardrobe that we strung up on a door we had old christmas trees because my birthday's in january we like managed to get all the neighbors to give us their old christmas trees and we put those in there living room with fake snow and lighting and we made aslan's tent and then we had and then you know which makes things even more embarrassing is that me and my housemates took it one step further didn't tell anybody that it was going to be narnia themed and we dressed up um, my housemate as um, the White Witch. I dressed up as Aslan. One of my housemates was going to dress as a beaver, but got the one wrong week, so it wasn't even there. But she had a beaver costume ready. Oh, bless her. But people didn't understand. They was like, why are you dressed as a tiger? So it didn't go down so well. But, I mean, I had a great time. So, basically, what I'm getting from you is you really love Narnia. Completely. Yes. Well, I think that's probably something that we have definitely connected over, over the years. And... I have had my own story of dressing up as a Narnia character because I I was the White Witch in nice. our Year Six play, which um, I was actually ill for the auditions, and um, one of my friends at school got the part of the White Witch, but she was so sad because she knew that I would have loved to get one of the the parts. I love drama, and so she I was off ill, and she went to our teacher and said um, because ill and I think she'd be really good could me and her split the part of the white witch and honestly she was my first Christian friend and I think that was just the most generous and beautiful act so it meant that both of us dressed up as the white witch and she was the white witch for part one and I was the white witch for part two (laughs) ridiculous Um, and I also had the privilege of studying in Oxford which is obviously where C.S. Lewis Mm. worked and taught for many years and there's something about that city that you can see you can see how he came up with, you know, mm. some of the some of the ideas in the books. Um, so yeah, I've definitely learned a lot more about him and his other books um, whilst I was there. So I think there's a few things we should talk about. Um, we've we've sort of pulled out three key topics mm. um, that we'd like to discuss because. I think probably you and I could talk about Narnia for a few days. Yes. And that might be a little bit long for I mean, we've already had a bit of time before this where we just got <laughs> carried away, so... We got overexcited. So, the three areas I'd love to talk about is, first of all, the character of Aslan. Mm-hmm. Because I know how much you love that character. And also, 
he represents Christ, who is the centre of our faith. Um, second of all, talk a bit about how uh, good and evil are represented in the books, mm. because I think that's done really, really well. Thirdly, about um, the importance of journey in the stories and how that reflects our journeys of faith and perhaps our journeys as a world and as nations mm -hmm. um, and as the people of God. And then maybe we'll close with a few random questions about Narnia just to shoehorn in a few things that we definitely want to talk about. <laughs> so, um, Aslan, tell me mm. about Aslan. So, if you're unfamiliar with Narnia, um, the Chronicles of Narnia are a series of seven books about the place Narnia, which is um, obviously a, a, a fairy tale world. Um, and Aslan is a key feature. He appears in every single book and is an image of God. Like as we've already said, he's not a perfect depiction of God, but he is a good way to understand mm. different aspects of God's character. And he's, he's specifically representing Jesus, isn't he? Yes. Because there's this character that we don't ever meet in the story but is referenced the, the mm. emperor across the sea yeah and sometimes called aslan's father yeah and aslan is sort of known to be the son of the emperor yeah. across the sea isn't he and he's the one that they can actually converse with he mm. come and comes and meets with them he's the, tangible he's physical yeah. just as jesus was yeah yeah and in the first the one well, the first book that was written the second one in the series because he because c.s lewis went back and wrote the first book magician's nephew uh, but in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the, it is a it's a salvation story. It's the yeah. crucifix story, yeah. and you see Aslan um, paying the price for as Edmund. Edmund is supposed to be um, sacrificed as per the old magic, and the price that the White Witch demands. Edmund's been a traitor, yeah, to his brothers and sisters mm. by basically giving them away to the White yes. Witch. He kind of gets in with yeah. this evil woman and yeah. essentially what we discover is by the dark magic she has the right mm. to the blood of any traitor. Of traitor completely yeah which rings true with what we know of the gospel and what we know rings true of of this world that we're in that um, we need us a, a savior to take us away from the punishment that that we deserve mm. and aslan comes and does that and then the, the subsequent books you see more of the journey of what it is to live um, seeking after Aslan, seeking after his yeah. rule in Narnia. Um, but he's not always there for the mm. whole thing. One of my favourite books um, is... Well, I love them all. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> but one of my favourite of the seven um, is Horse and His Boy, which yeah. is a bit different to the others and doesn't always get a mention because it's not the same kind of style as the others. Mm. The main character isn't a human from Earth. It's a child from that world from yeah. Arkenland. Yeah, because yeah. the Arkenland king has two sons. One who is known by the Narnian people. Yeah. And then there's the one who was given away as a child and yes. has grown up not knowing that he is a prince. Yeah. And the story takes him from running away from his uh, adopted family, I guess. Not particularly nice adopted family. Um, he meets a horse called Bree, who's actually a Narnian-speaking horse, um, who takes him back on this journey with other people that they adventure with along the way. And there's various points in that story where they interact with lions, and lions are seen as really scary. Yes. But actually, when they look back, the lions were really key for putting them back on the right path. Say they were chased after by the lions, or they were worried at one point about 
um, they were hearing a beast but couldn't see them and it meant that they took shelter or it meant that they moved in a certain way. Mm. Um, And they go through all this journey and that features as well as lots of other adventures and people and stuff that comes along. But it's at the very end that the boy meets Aslan and Aslan goes, it was me the whole time. I'm not a I'm not a dangerous lion. Mm. You know, I'm not a tame lion, but I'm not a danger to you. But I did all of that to lead you on the path that I needed you to go on. Yeah. And it just speaks of our walk with Jesus mm. here. That actually there are things that happen that we don't understand, and God has power to to take us on paths that we don't understand. Mm. You know, I mentioned at the start I was in a city I didn't know. I completely believe that. Um, God had taken me to a place that I didn't understand through pain that I really felt yeah. from, you know, being uprooted from where I was previously living. But actually it was where he needed me to be for that time. And just the same way in The Horse and His Boy, yeah. Aslan leads them into places that then he can do yeah. the work that is planned for them. Absolutely. And in some really surprising ways. One thing that really stirred me in that book, which I don't even think I fully understand the answer to if you like or the explanation for but um Aravis who is a Tarkina yeah um she journeys with this boy and she has her own talking horse which is amazing um and there's a moment where they need to get into a place of safety because mm. there's a horrible group of people chasing them essentially mm. and this lion appears and they mm. go like the wind because of the lion mm. and at the last moment the lion jumps up and scratches her back yes and she has to therefore stay in this cave with somebody who helps heal her mm. back and um this man basically says it must have been a very strange line because it hasn't gone deep into the flesh and and that kind of thing and you find out later it was aslan and you think well why like why has he hurt her mm. actually that boy core asks aslan and he says it's not for me to tell you someone else's story. I'm mm. here to tell you your story. But later, when Aravis meets Aslan, he basically explains that those scratches were the same number of whips that her slave girl got yes. from when she had let mm. when she had left her home mm. and put her slave girl in a really awful position. She actually drugged her. So her family thought that this slave girl hadn't done the right thing of keeping her there anyway Mm. i guess what i'm saying is that i think the chronicles of narnia represent the fact that sometimes god does things that we don't always Mm. understand and sometimes we'll get the answers and sometimes we won't but actually as you said at the beginning trusting that he is always good yeah you know um is so important yeah Something that I really enjoy about um, the way that C.S. Lewis writes is that I think even if you weren't a Christian, you'd start questioning the various different imagery that they bring with Aslan. And there's um, a point at the end of Voyage of the Dawn Treader where the children are nearing the end of the journey. They know they need to go back home soon. They've just said goodbye to Reaper Cheap. Maybe we'll talk about him later. We love Reaper Cheap. (laughs) But they, they come ashore on a boat and they meet a lamb that starts speaking to them. Yeah. Um, and the lamb slowly turns into Aslan. Mm. And we ha- we have promised that our God is both a lion and a lamb at different points. Yeah. That imagery is used. He is this king of the safari. He's the, the, the top of the food chain, but he's also meek and mild as a lamb. And actually just that little moment, um, if, you know, Christians that read these books see a little glimpse of yeah. God being much more than just a lion much more than just a lamb more facets of his character it's certainly different reading these books knowing that the story of the bible is threaded through them somehow Mm. and reading them 
well, I don't know what it is like to read them without knowing that, other than mm. remembering back to when I was a child before I knew the Lord and I read them. Mm. Um, but I don't think I understood the complexity mm. there. But what's amazing is that you can read them in a more simple way mm. or a more spiritual way. Yeah. Um, and I've really enjoyed going back through and actually looking for looking for that thread mm. um, because it's quite different to just enjoying them as novels. And mm. I'd encourage people listening to this podcast now to maybe go back and do that mm. with your favourite Chronicle of Narnia. So that concludes part two of the Chronicles of Narnia podcast series. Please tune in next week for part three, where you can hear the second half of this interview with Grace, in which we'll be looking at the portrayal of good and evil in the Chronicles of Narnia, the concept of journey, and quite a few other questions. Look forward to having you here again. And just to close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for these series of books by C.S. Lewis. Thank you for how you inspired him and how he inspired generations of children and adults to use their imaginations to explore narrative and to get more stuck into the Bible. We pray that through these books and through these podcasts, we would learn more about you and that we would be able to be salt and light in this world. Amen. so much for taking the time to join me for this podcast today. I pray you've been inspired, encouraged and challenged. If so, please subscribe to the podcast and tune in next week for a brand new episode. Also, if you know anyone else who you think would find it useful, then please share this with friends, families and your church groups. Feel free to contact us with any topic ideas or if you feel inspired to come on as a guest. Most importantly, go out this week and shine like stars for the Lord.